0: Well, no doubt, that is the question of the hour this morning, and I pray that's the question for the rest of this year. Are we ready? And obviously, you look around the room and get an idea this morning that has something to do with the vision the Lord's given us for our church in the new year and so glad to have each and every one of you here today. If you're visiting, thanks for coming out uh, this morning, a very special day in our church and uh, one of my favorite days of the year is because I get to share with you what's been on my heart for a while uh, and a burden or a vision is just basically a burden where God gives the pastor uh, a burden about the direction of our church as we turn the page on a new year and set a new target that we're going to shoot for together as a church body and It's kind of like a surprise gift. I I love giving surprises. I really do. I love coming up with surprises for my family that they have no clue about. I love blindsiding them. Most of the time they're hits, and that feels good. Every once in a while, they're flops, and uh, it doesn't feel good when they flop like that, but uh, when you have it in your heart and you're waiting, waiting, waiting to reveal it, uh, you just got to tell somebody about it, and so one by one, I've told a few of you throughout the last few months uh, about our theme called Ready, as we look to get ready for the Lord to come back. I believe he's coming very soon, and I believe the only question that we need to answer this morning is, are we ready? If the trump of God were to sound today, number one, are you saved? Are you ready to go with him? And then if you are saved, are you ready? You may have your ticket punched this morning, but are you ready to meet the Lord? And I dare say this morning, there's times in all of our lives where if we're honest, we're not ready. All right? We're saved and we know we're going and we can't lose that. Aren't you glad you can't lose your ticket to heaven? I would have lost mine already. My wife probably would have found it for me, but I definitely would have lost it. I'm thankful you can't lose that, but I want to be ready to meet him. When the Trump sounds, I don't want to look up into the sky and be fearful worried about all that I didn't do and all that I knew that I should have done. I I want to be ready, and that's our burden for this year. And not going to have a theme video this year. I I told my wife, I said, we're shaking everything up this year. We're putting the graphics up before Sunday morning, and we're just going to preach the theme this morning. And I'm excited about that. I hope you've been praying about that. You know, you get in your Bible. We're going to be in Luke 1, if you want to go ahead and be turning there today, Uh, Luke chapter number 1. You read in your Bible, you'll find no evidence or precedent for a vision Sunday. All right, We don't see those in there, but we do see countless examples of, of God giving his people his vision and then showing them how to fulfill it. I don't know about you, but I think visions are important, right? Uh, I'm not talking about you get visions when you uh, uh, maybe partake in something you shouldn't be partaking in. Okay, I'm talking about a spiritual vision. Visions are important. Hey, you need to have financial visions for your home, don't you? Uh, We have uh, visions for our children and their future. You're probably saving for their college education uh, or they're saving for their college education. Why? You have a vision for that. You have a financial vision. Uh, A lot of you maybe are saving for retirement and you have visions of retiring. And unfortunately, with our economy, you you might better go back and relook at your vision because you might have to put a little extra in there if you have plans on retiring anytime soon. But of all the visions you could have, the most important is a spiritual vision. To know what the will of God is for your life and to know what it is that God left you here for. You know, after you got saved, God could have just easily beamed you up to heaven, you know, like they did on Star Trek. He could have just woo, beamed you up, Scotty, all the way up there to heaven. But he left you here. Why? Because you have a job to do. Uh, you have a responsibility. God has a calling for your life. God has a burden for your life and the time that he gives you. And you need to know what that is. And I'm so thankful that God's given us his word that helps spell out the vision for our life and the time that we have here. Now Here's what I want you to get this morning. I'm going to take a little bit to get into it. Uh, Our points will be a little bit short this morning. Good news, you get a gift at the end of the service today. Amen? That's always worth hanging around. I see some of you in the line at the Sam's Club, free samples, and you'll stand there 15 minutes to get half of a bite of a Philly steak sandwich, okay? If you'll do that, I promise you what I'm going to give you today is something better than that. You're going to get to take home, something you're going to to have all year long, uh, and I'm excited about that. But here's what I want you to think about. Proverbs 29, 18, the Bible says, where there is no vision, the people perish. You need to have an idea about what God's will is for your life and the direction that God wants you to go and uh, the desire that God has for the time that you have here. If you don't have a vision, then surely you're going to perish. I believe the churches all, the churches all over America are perishing this morning because we have no vision. Uh, We have got so complacent and so comfortable, and the Lord's coming back, and hey, why don't we just enjoy the time we have left and kick it in cruise control? No, I believe the will of God is just as important and even more important today as we see the day approaching. That's why we didn't know what God wants for us. Now, it's important you know his vision, not yours, not mine, all right? Do you know why we as humans are very short-sighted? Have you noticed that about yourself? Some of you started a diet January the 1st, and it's already over. You've killed it. Uh, We don't have much longevity. We are very short-sighted as a people. But you know, the God that we serve, he's not short-sighted. And boy, he has a will for our life. He has a vision for our church and a direction that he desires us go. But we've got to get on the same page with him. Because I'll promise you, regardless of what your vision is for your life, God's is far greater than that. I told my wife yesterday how underwhelming a life it would be for you, and I don't mean to rhyme with this, but it rhymes because I told her that, how underwhelming of a life it would be to only take the steps that you can see. Think about that. He said, well, I'm only going to do this today because I know this is a sure thing. Do You know, following God's vision for your life requires faith, and sometimes that means taking a step that you can't see, but those are the most rewarding. When you trust God to do what only God could do, and all of a sudden, God makes it happen. I read a story this week about Duff Daughtry. He was the uh, coach, a football coach for Michigan State football many years ago. And he sent in his place kicker to kick a, a game-winning field goal against UCLA. The place kicker gets up there, snaps the ball, puts it down. The kicker kicks it, and immediately turns his head and watches the referee. Then when he got back to the sideline, the coach asking, him, he says... Why did you turn your head and look at the referee? He says, well, I was too scared to tell you, but I left my contact lenses at home, and I wasn't sure if it went in or not, and so I just let her fly and turned around to see how it went. That's the way the will of God is sometimes. We just be, be obedient and let her fly and trust God for the rest, and I promise you God's going to make it good. That's what the will of God is for our life, and the good news is God has a vision for us. We may not see what God wants, but God knows what He wants. And the excitement this morning should not be about the plan that we have. I'm going to roll that out tonight and show you uh, the spiritual plan for our church in 2023. You're going to get to take it home with you this morning. We're going to talk about it tonight. Don't get excited about the plan. Don't get excited about the pastor. I know it's easy not to get excited about your pastor, but you ought to get excited about the potential of what God wants to do. That's why you ought to be excited. Don't get excited because the person sitting next to you here, thank God you're here. You ought to be excited about what God desires to do in our church this year. I don't think we have a clue. Matter of fact, I know we don't have a clue. Do you know why? Because I can't see all that God wants. We're going to have to trust him for that. That's why it's his vision and not ours. One of my dad's favorite preachers is Vance Havner and has a great quote on vision. He said, it's not enough to stare up the steps. We must step up the stairs. Think about that. How often do we stare up the steps? But if we want to see the vision come forth, we're going to have to start stepping up the stairs to find what God wants for us in the new year. And I honestly believe that all that God does in our church is going to be decided by how much we trust him. What God wants to do in your life, what God wants to do in your family, the vision he has for your life. This is the vision for our church, but God has a vision for your home this year. God has a vision for your children this year and for your marriage this year. And oh, if we could just get a glimpse of that, oh, I think we'd run toward it this morning. But we don't have a glimpse of it. We have to trust it by faith. And this morning, if we'll trust God, I believe we're going to see God do great things in our lives in 2023 if he tarries. But if you're not careful, you're going to start looking about at the world, all that's going on, and you're going to let circumstances rob you of your vision. I'm going to be the first to tell you I've experienced that in my life. I've allowed circumstances of society and the world to rob me of my vision and looking forward to what God wants to. I mean, folks, if you've lived in the last three, four years, you understand life has been hard. But I'll tell you, circumstances can't stop what God wants to do. You know, 350 years ago, the pilgrims came to uh, what would be known later as the United States of America. And in year one, they founded a town site. Year number two, they founded a government Year number three, they voted to build a road five miles into the wilderness of this new country. A road five miles. When they finally got around to year number four, they voted or were voting to impeach their government because a road five miles into the wilderness of this new country was a waste of tax money. And I want you to think about that. They had traveled almost 3,000 miles to reach the new world faced untold hardships had seen people lose their lives had starved at times and they had so much faith to trust that on the other end of that voyage was a new world and now they're voting to impeach their government because a road five miles in is just too much and too far of a reach what happened they lost their vision lost their vision now I don't know where you're at today but I have a feeling that if you're like me at times, the circumstances of life in our past, thank God it's in our past, that the circumstances have, may have robbed you a little bit of your vision. And I believe this morning God wants to stir that up. Here we are, Vision Sunday. God wants you to look forward to what he desires to do, and our motivation simply comes from knowing that God still desires to work in our church. So how do you know that? Because we're still here. We're still here. Now, when the trump of God sounds, you can tell me, I think God's done. But until the trump sounds, God still wants to work, and God still has a vision, and we should still have a burden for how God wants to work through us at Central Baptist Church. My question is this morning, are we going to trust him for that? So what is the meaning of our theme this morning? You look around and you see it everywhere Ready? It just seems to be all over our building, and you'll go home with some things that have it all over that. What does it mean Uh, to be ready, and what does God want us to do? Well, I want to show you in Luke chapter 1, verse number 17, if you'll stand together, I want to read it together. I'll give you the background for the sake of time. This is where Zacharias is being told that uh, he is uh, going to father a son who will be known as John the Baptist. John the Baptist is going to be the forerunner of Christ, and he's telling him a little bit in verse 17 about uh, what exactly his son is going to do. Watch what it says. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. Watch this. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, thank you this morning, Lord, that you have a will and that, Lord, you still have a burden and a vision for our church. In spite of all that our world is going through, you still desire to work through us. Now, Father, I pray that we would all get behind what you desire to do today. Lord, I pray that we would ask the question, are we ready? Lord, are we saved? And then if we're saved, are we ready for your return? Father, I pray today that you'd help us, Lord, to be able to preach exactly what you've given. Lord, in a time, Lord, that would be appropriate in a way that would be pleasing. And I pray that we'd leave here, Father, having caught the vision of what you desire for all of us today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We're reading in Luke 1 about a time that's really in the past, but you think about this, this time really resembles a time in our present. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, the scripture's foretelling the birth of John the Baptist, and John the Baptist is indeed the forerunner of Christ. John the Baptist is going to have the great spiritual privilege and calling of God on his life to be the one who goes before the arrival of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you think about what an honor that was, that John the Baptist got to be the one who went before to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now I want you to look at the love of our Father here that he didn't just want to surprise them with Jesus' birth, he sent someone ahead of him to get the people ready. He didn't just want them to know he was coming, he wanted them to be ready. He said, hey, Jesus is coming, John, go get them ready for my arrival. Fast forward about maybe 2,023 years, somewhere around there, give or take a view, it appears our world is once again on the verge of welcoming Jesus again. Here we are, look, I don't know the time, are you asking me if I've consulted, you know, the the, the magic eight ball of eternity and it's told me, I have no clue, don't ask me, I have no question, I don't know about the Illuminati, anything like that, okay, I really don't. But I just believe by reading my Bible and you look around at things that are going on, it seems like we're on the cusp of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. How exciting is that? That We're going to get to see that. You know, uh, the generations before us, many have gone on to be with the Lord, and they didn't get to see it. I believe we have a very good chance of seeing that, and I hope that you're looking forward to that this morning. I do. I hope you're looking forward to it. I don't know about you, I'm ready to get out of here. First Thessalonians 4, I read it often at gravesides. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. You ought to be comforted by the coming of the Lord. It shouldn't scare you. Now, if you're lost, it should scare you. If you're not saved today, it ought to scare you. Not that you're willing to get saved and trust Christ, but I'm excited about him coming back. Now, the question is not is he coming? The question is am I ready? That's the question. He's one for one, folks. He said he was coming, he came. He says he's coming again. Don't bet against him. He's coming. That's not the question. The question this morning that we all have to ask, lost or saved, is am I ready? We're looking forward to it. I told my wife this yesterday. I believe we're so excited about the trip, we have forgotten to pack our bags. Think about it. We're so excited. Jesus is coming. I'm going with him. We're looking forward to that. And we're, look, we're just going, when we leave this world, you can have it. You can have my house, my car, the barking dog across the street. You can have all of it. I'm leaving it behind, and we're so excited about it. Watch, we've got our ticket, amen. It's been paid for, bought and paid for by the precious blood of the lamb. I got my ticket. Can I ask you a question? Have you packed your bags? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Stick with me now. He says, John, my son is coming. Go get the people ready. Get them ready. Now, if he tells them to get ready, does that not mean that there's some things that need to be done in order to be ready? Number one, you need to be saved. Boy, if you're not saved, you're not ready, and boy, you're scared to death that the trump of God is going to sound every time a train uh, honks his horn going down the track. do You worry that it's the trump of God. But can I ask you this morning if you're saved? Which I bet many of you here are today. Are you ready? Are you ready? You know, we'll go on vacations and trips, and I love to travel, and I'll get so excited about the trip that man, I'm the night before packing my bags. Now my wife, she'd have been packed for two weeks. You know, she said, honey, pick out your clothes and all that. I'm so excited. We're going to get to go do this and see all of this. I'm like, yeah, you might better pack some socks. You might better get some clothes out to get ready. I believe that's the way we've been as a church. We're so excited about taking the trip. We have forgot to pack our spiritual bags, and I don't believe we're ready this morning. I really don't. As a pastor, I look out at my pulpit so often. And I can't look into your heart, okay? I can't judge you, and you may be a better Christian than me by far, but I wonder how many of our people are ready. Are our homes ready? If the trump sounds today, is your home ready? All right? God wanted his people to be ready for the arrival of his son. I don't believe the Lord's changed at all. I believe he wants us to be ready for the arrival of his son again. I don't believe our homes are ready. I don't believe husbands are ready. I knew it was going to quiet on that one. We have to let the ladies start in a little bit on that one. I don't think our wives are ready, I don't believe our kids are ready, but hey, here's the good news, we're not gone yet, we can get ready. God's given us a a space of grace to get ready for the arrival of the son, and I pray this morning in 2023 that every ministry is going to be about getting our people ready. Every Sunday school class, getting our people ready. Every outreach opportunity, getting people ready. By the way, that's what this book is all about, getting us ready. There's no reason this morning not to be ready when Jesus comes because he's given us a whole packing list right here of everything we need before he comes. So here's the question. How do we do that? Verse 17 says, John, go get the people ready. My son's coming. Make ready a people prepared for the Lord. What does it mean to be ready? Well, here's the good news. In verse 17, God gives the job description of John and What he had John to do to get those people ready, and I believe that what John was doing for them is what we need to do today. And we're going to follow God's word this morning. I'm going to give you a general overview of what it means to be ready based on what God had John to do. The message is simple today, the requirements to be ready. The requirements to be ready. I pray this morning, number one, you're saved. Uh, but if you're not saved, look, you can get ready before you leave here today. And then if you are saved, my prayer, I, have, I came up yesterday, spent a lot of time just kneeling down here, praying for every person that would be here. I didn't know who all would be here, but praying that God would stir your heart to ask the question, am I ready? He said, well, I'm saved, but are you Ready? When he comes back, are there, are there any things undone in your life that you know need to be done? I believe he'll show us in Luke one seventeen how exactly to be ready and what's required. So let's jump in if we could. Verse 17, watch what it says. He shall go before him, speaking of Jesus, in the spirit and power of Elias. I love that. We'll spend some time on this in a week or two. But it says this. Watch close. It says to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. Now, we're going to look at specifics here this morning, but I want you to look at something very general at the very beginning of this. Notice part of John's job description here is to turn. He says, John, go get the people ready for the arrival of my son. What's the first thing John was tasked with doing? It says to turn them. Now, obviously, John's being sent to a people that's not ready. All right? They're not ready. Why? Because God himself says... They need to turn, right? This is important. Number one this morning, if you're going to be ready when he comes, change is going to have to take place in all of our lives. Number one, ready requires a changed life. Being ready requires a changed life. Watch what happens. Jesus is coming. John, go get them ready. John, they need to turn. That means there's some change that needs to take place. Can I tell you, I don't know everybody here today, if you're visiting, thanks for coming, glad you're here, and uh, you'll get to get a free gift too, amen? Uh, That's always nice when you come somewhere and you get a free gift. But I don't know all of you here today, but I do know one thing, that if you are a human being, there is always change that needs to take place in our life. We live in a flesh body that, as the song says, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. And there are times in my life I realize I'm not what I need to be, and if the trump of God were to sound today, I'm not ready. Maybe there's some unforgiveness in my heart or or maybe there is some disobedience in my life or some unfaithfulness uh, in the will of God for my life, and I know I'm not ready. Do you know how we fix that? Real deep stuff today, okay? I mean, I've been studying for weeks on this one, so we're going to go super deep. You fix that by changing. You fix that by changing. Can I tell you, if you're drawing breath in this room today, God's giving you life again, which is opportunity to make the changes before Jesus returns. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, guess what? You need to turn to Christ. You got to turn. It's like the old phrase, and I don't mean to, uh, I don't want it to sound funny. It's true turn or burn. Amen? Turn or burn. Uh, God's given us the opportunity to make the change and trust Christ. But wait a minute, what if you're saved today? You say, I've got my fire insurance. I'm going to heaven, I can't lose it, but are you ready? I believe this morning that what needs to happen in our homes, our hearts, our church, more than anything, is I believe there's some change that needs to take place. What is he saying when he says, go turn them, John? Go turn them. You know what he's saying? As is, won't do. As is, won't do. Look, we're here in the south, we're so relaxed We just chill on our front porch with lemonade, you know, and we're so relaxed, and things kind of get out of hand from time to time, and we get lax on some things. I'm going to tell you, when the trumpet of God sounds, you're going to wake up quick, and you're going to realize all the things in my life that are not done. You're going to realize I'm not ready, but wait a minute. God's given us an opportunity to make a change. Let's not be complacent this morning with as is. I mean, my soul this morning, we're so complacent because we're not as bad as the next guy. But the question is, it's not the next guy that we're going to be compared to. It's Jesus. That's the measuring stick for our life. And if we're not ready this morning, I believe being ready begins with a changed life. Now, I want you to think about that word change. He says, John, they need to turn. That means they they need to change. Change is a uh, a key ingredient all throughout the Christian life. All right? Watch number one. When you get saved, the Bible says, except a man be born again. That's change, isn't it? In order to be saved, there has to be some type of a change in your heart. All right? That's what repentance is. It's a change of heart where you are turning from sin and to Christ. Can I ask you this morning, have you made that change? Let's just put it down here on the bottom shelf this morning. Are you born again? Except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Have you made that change? If you haven't, you can. And once you make that change, you're on your way to being ready. You're going to hate that word before the year's over, I promise you. We're going to say it so much, but I hope it gets ingrained upon our heart that when Jesus comes, I want to be ready. I want to be ready for him to come. I think about it as a saved person. You know, we think, well, I got saved. I'm done with my change. You're so funny. You are so funny. (laughs) When you got saved, that was the beginning of your change. All right? Because you can't change when you're lost. You can turn over a new leaf, but the tree's still dead. Amen? All right? You can turn over that new leaf all you want. It doesn't change anything. But all once you turn to Christ, any man being Christ, what does the Bible say? He's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So when I got saved, that's when change began. Here's my question I want to ask you this morning. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 5 says, beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Yeah. Say what? I got faith. Isn't that enough? I got my ticket punched. I'm going to heaven. No, no, no. The Bible says your faith was your ticket. You got in. Your name's written down. Amen. Praise God for that. And now the Bible says once you got your ticket punched, add to your faith. You see, the change is not done. What does it say? Add to your faith virtue, and the virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance. Did I say nacho? I think I just said nacho. <laughs> Freudian slip. And to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness. What is he saying? He says, hey, those are things that need to be in your spiritual suitcase." That when the Lord comes back, he wants to find you with virtue. He wants to find you with knowledge and temperance and patience. Those are things that should be in our suitcase. We're so excited. Look, I love antique suitcases, don't you? I I, I bought this one yesterday. Samsonite. They say you could throw these things out of a plane. You got a plane? We'll go. We'll try it out this afternoon, but I don't. Look, we're so excited. You know, we got our stickers. We're ready. The trump sounds, I'm ready for Jesus to come. Here's my question to you this morning. Is your bag packed? Do you have what he says you need to have when he comes back? When he comes back, he is expecting you to have added to your faith. He's not expecting you to be the same person today that you were when you got saved. What does the Bible say? Ephesians, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God. Do you, do you have any armor packed? You see, that's how we get ready. We add to our faith. We take unto us, and we have the things in our life that our Father says we need to have in our life. Now, I want to tell you something. Based on my interaction with human mankind, we're not ready. I believe we are soldiers out of uniform. We don't have our armor. We don't have the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet. We don't have it. And the Lord comes back, we're so excited. I'm just sitting at the bus stop waiting on Jesus. Well, good for you. My question is are you ready? Have you packed your bags? Maybe this morning, watch, if God were to tarry, maybe through 2023, maybe this morning we can begin the pilgrimage of packing our spiritual bags. From the trump of God sound, hey, wouldn't it be great? Trump of God sound. All right, it's going to be the twinkling of an eye, so you're not going to have much time to think. All right? Some of us, we get five minutes to think, and it's still not enough. So you're probably not going to be able to think about a whole lot in the twinkling of an eye, okay? But can you imagine if you were, watch, whole armor of God, you got it. You've added to your faith, temperance, patience. You got it. And also the trouble of God sounds, and you know that you're ready. You know. Why? Because all throughout your Christian life, you've done what? You've continued to change. Your Christian life is a constant change, constant growth. You never stop. Folks, some of you here are much older than I am. Can I tell you something? Even if you're older than I am, you're still still supposed to be growing. Constant change. Why? Because the pattern is Christ. In him dwells the fullness of God. All right? It's all in Christ. I don't think we've reached it. If you have, let's go to Paul B. Johnson. I want to watch you walk across that dude. I don't think you're there yet. All right? You still got some changing that needs to take place in your life. The Bible says, John, go tell them they need to turn. I believe this one. I love you in Jesus' name. But hear me out. There's not a soul in here today that doesn't need to change. And boy, every change that we make, we're closer to being ready for the arrival of the Lord. And boy, I believe it's going to be soon. I believe all my heart today, the reason so many Christians live spiritually miserable lives is because they quit changing. They quit changing. Is it just me or is it hot in here? Y'all bump that air, cool it down a little bit. Amen? We pay good money for it. Let's use it. If you smile, it's not as hot up here, okay? Make it easy on me every once in a while. Do you know why so many Christians are miserable today? They blame it on the preacher and the church and the person they sit next to. The reason they're miserable is they quit changing. They got to a spot in their spiritual life and they quit changing into who God wanted them to be. That's why they're miserable. Do you know who the most joyous Christians are today? They're the ones who are still growing. They're changing, becoming more like Jesus. Now, I want you to notice something. Look back at verse 17, okay? Thank you, guys, for getting that air. I appreciate that. There's a nice event right there. It blows straight on me. The cooler I am, the longer I preach. Appreciate you. all turning that on there. 17, the Bible says to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now, i got to be honest with you. I, I looked at verse 17. I said, wait a minute. He says make ready a people prepared. Isn't that the same word? Ready, prepared? They're not the same word. This is important. There's a, a big difference in being prepared and being ready. The word "prepared" means to be furnished or equipped. Do you know? Watch this. I am furnished and equipped to go to heaven. My name is written down. My ticket has been paid. Uh, I God is my Father. I am equipped. I am prepared. The trump sounds today, I'm go- I was at a doctor's appointment the other day and had some weird stuff going on. And you start thinking about uh, how fragile life is and thinking to yourself, okay, if this is it, okay, I'm prepared. I'm equipped. Why? Because the precious, spotless blood of the lamb has been applied to my sin death. I'm saved. I am prepared. But as I said in that doctor's office the other day, I thought to myself, am I ready? You see, John, he says, I want you to go make ready a people that are prepared. The word ready simply means to set in order, to set in order. Look, you might be prepared today, but are you ready? You say, my name's written down, heaven's my home. You're prepared, but are you ready this morning? That's the only question we need to ask this year. Number one, what's a requirement of being ready? He says, John, okay, here's what I want you to do. Go tell the people they need to what? They need to turn. But then notice he gets a little bit more specific in verse 17. I'm going to hurry. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn, watch the next two words, the hearts, to turn the hearts. He says here, what needs to turn is their heart. That's the only way that true change takes place, is from the heart. If, if, you, if you want a change and you want there to be a change in your life, it happens with a change of heart. Now watch again. Let's start over. Jesus is coming. John, get them ready. John, they're not ready. Get them to turn. John, the way you get them to turn is you turn their heart. By the way, that's how you got saved. For with the heart, man believeth and the righteous. See how that works? So this morning, the second thing, watch this. If we're going to change, lost or saved, doesn't matter. If we're going to change and we're going to make the turn, number two, ready requires an open heart. Being ready requires an open heart. I have, uh, I've been in the hospital with a lot of people who have heart trouble. And that's one of the joys of being a pastor in South Mississippi. All the fried foods that we eat. Uh, oftentimes I'll find myself there on the cardiac floor with a member. And uh, I remember the first time I ever went up, one of our members, his arm started hurting, his chest was hurting. He left church on a Sunday morning, went up to Forest General, and they said, you're having a heart attack. And I'm sitting there in the room, and I'm watching the video of his heart and blood flow, and I could see where the blood flow was stopping. I'm not going to lie. I got squeamish. I told my Sunday school class this morning, I have to lay out on the floor in the insurance office for them to take my blood so I can get my insurance approved. I'm squeamish when it comes to blood. I just can't help it. It's just who I am, okay? And I remember looking up there on the wall, and I saw the blockage that was there. I says, well, can you put in a stent? They says, no, we've already tried that. I said, can't you just give him some blood thinners? Hey, let him pop some aspirin. No, we've already tried that. I said, the only hope for this man right here, right now, is open heart surgery because everything else we've tried is not going to work. Can I tell you this morning, that is much the case for you and I. We try turning and we try changing and it just doesn't seem to work. Why? Because it's not turning over a new leaf, it's getting a whole new tree. That's what it's all about. And the only way we're going to make the change, watch this is open heart. If you're going to become ready in 2023, it requires you to have an open heart. As David said, search me, O God, and know my habits. No, know my heart. You know, you got folks addicted under everything under the sun. And by the way, it's not just drugs and alcohol. Some folks are addicted to gossip. Some folks are addicted to chicken. I mean, we got folks addicted to everything, all right? The old story I heard, I assume it's true that D.L. Moody went to meet Charles Spurgeon one time, and he was in London. He walked up, knocked on the door. This is the way the story goes. I hope it's true because I'm telling it. Spurgeon opened the door, and Spurgeon had a cigar in his mouth. This is before they knew what they know now, okay? Don't say, the preacher said it's okay. I, no, I did not. Moody is standing there looking up the stoop at Spurgeon. Now, you got to think, one of your spiritual heroes, and he's got a cigar, And Moody is shocked, and his face cannot hide his disbelief, and Spurgeon knew exactly what was going on, and looked down at the very swollen belly of D.L. Moody, and he says, all of us have our vices. All of us have our vices. All of us have something that needs to change. Do you know where change takes place? Here. Here. Do you know why you've tried to change but couldn't change? It's because you keep trying things instead of being changed. I'm going to try this and I'm going to try that. It's like popping an aspirin when you're having a heart attack. It may not save your life. Maybe we can try this. No. The only hope for us as God's people is open heart surgery from the great physician of heaven and let him do the work to change us in a way we cannot change ourselves. What changed the demoniac? Oh, crazy man living in the graveyard. What changed that man? Well, I'll tell you what happened. They went up in there, and those disciples got off the boat. They hogtied that dude. They shaved his face, got him a nice suit to wear, and they threatened his life if he didn't start acting right. No. Look, I was a youth pastor. I've tried it. It don't work. What happened? Why was he sitting clothed in his right mind? Open heart surgery. That's what happened to him. What happened to the woman at the well? How did she change her ways? How did she make a turn? She had open heart surgery. Can I tell you this morning, that's what God desires of us. If you want to be ready, here's what you've got to do in 2023, or you're not going to be ready. You've got to be willing to go before Almighty God and say, okay, okay, do what you will. Do what you will. The heart's open. You go in there and take out anything that needs to be taken out. You help me put in anything that needs to be put in this morning. It's all in the heart. That's why he says, John, turn them. How do you turn them? Watch what he says, verse 17. Turn the hearts of the Father. If we're going to be ready to meet the Lord, I tell you, you're not going to get ready without having an open heart. I'll hurry this morning in Joel 2. God's people preparing for judgment. God's fixing to come down on Judah. And What did he tell them? The preacher's preaching, trying to get the people to turn. And he tells them in verse 13, and rend, that means to tear, your heart and not your garments and turn to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful. You see, it was the custom of the day that when you were frustrated and grieving and broken and remorseful that you would rend your garments. Remember, Job did that. Rend your garment as a sign, as a symbol that, hey, I am broken, I am remorseful for my sin. But that's not what God wanted. We're good at that, aren't we? all right, I'm going to clean this thing up and get myself looking good and uh, I'm going to learn how to amen. I'm going to learn how to hold my Bible. Hey, that's all good stuff, but it doesn't change you. It's got to happen in here first. God doesn't want us to have an outward show that doesn't reflect the inward change. By the way, I do believe you have an inward change. It's going to have an outward show eventually. It ought to. That's why you're letting your light shine. Sooner or later, that light ought to get out and people ought to be able to tell you are what you are. So here's the question. Watch closely. I know what our stickers say. We're ready. Boy, Jesus is coming. I'm excited. I'm ready. Oh, I can't wait to get out of here. Those politicians, we're going to let them have it, you know, and all the reasons why. We're ready to go to heaven, I'm just ready. Lord, I'm just ready for you to come. And I know what our stickers say, but it's not what the stickers say. Do you know what matters? What matters is what's on the inside. That's what matters. It's not the sticker that you got on your car, the shirt that you wear that says, I love Jesus. You see, the Bible says, remember in Samuel, the Bible says, God doesn't look on the outside, God looks on the inside. This morning, here's what I want to know from you. What have you got in your suitcase? You say, well, I'm ready. Well, I'm not talking about you're saved. I'm talking about what do you have because what matters is what's on the inside. When God comes back, he's not going to say, boy, that's a good-looking one. Now, some of us, man, we don't have a chance at that anyway. All right? So I'm glad that's not what he's looking for. What did he say when he was looking for a king? Here comes David's brothers. They looked like soldiers. Brother Copeland preached on it the other night. I love it. Old David wasn't even invited. Talking about being slighted. I'll bet Christmas was awkward that next year. I bet it sure was when David was sitting there and he had already been anointed king. Samuel says God's not looking on the outside. The one that was ready to be king was the one who was ready on the inside. And you this morning, look, saying you're ready for the Lord to come back, hey, that's great. My question is, what's on the inside? Because he says, John, get them ready. Turn them. There's going to have to be changed. But notice it requires an open heart. samuel 16 he said it this way for the lord seeth not as man seeth for man looketh on the outward appearance but the lord looketh on the heart can i tell you god hasn't changed when verse 17 was written the same god that had that written is the same god that we're going to meet in the clouds one day and he's not going to look on your outside he's looking on the inside to make sure you have all that he said you're supposed to have before he comes back and i'm afraid to be honest most of us have an empty suitcase We got saved, we got our fire insurance, we're thankful that heaven's our home, but we have done nothing to add to our faith. We got our stickers, we tell people we love Jesus and we're going to heaven, but I'm afraid what's on the inside is totally empty for most children of God today. So how do we know? How do we know how to be ready? Well, this is quite simple to be honest with you. This book right here is our spiritual packing list. My wife, she's so organized and she has packing lists. When we go on a vacation, she can tell you what they're wearing every day. We go to a theme park somewhere, she usually has our clothes matching. It's one of those husband concessions I have to make. We're all going to look like leopards today. We're all going to wear red today, you know. No, I don't mind at all. I'm, I'm thankful for it. It really does look good in the pictures. And she has all of these packing lists, all right. On Monday, we're going to do this, and you're going to wear this, you're going to wear that. I said, wait a minute now. Did you hear about the coping of the night? Submit, right? you got to listen to me. I'm going to wear what I want. I'll wear my Crocs if I want to today. I don't care how out of style they are. I'm going to wear my Crocs today. Well, no, I usually wear what she'd like me to wear because I try to be a loving husband. She'll go down that list. All right. Toothpaste. Get ready to take a trip. You need a toothbrush. Amen? Amen, kids? Toothbrush. That's right. They're like, what is that? You know the difference between a toothbrush and a teeth brush? I'll tell you later. I'll tell you later. Okay? It involves Alabama. But anyway. Did we get the the toothpaste? Check. Notice the check boxes up here. There's a lot of things you need to check off your list before he comes. Whole armor of God? Nope. Worldly desires? Yes. Personal ambition? Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Watch this. When you make the trip from here to up yonder... You're going to open your suitcase one day. Lord, let me tell you what I did. Look at here. Look at here. I made it to the best in my class. I became an executive. Yeah, you don't make the trip. That stuff's not going with you. The stuff that's going with you, it's stuff that's in God's packing list. He loved you enough to put it in here. There's no excuse not to be ready. No excuse. He's told us, armor of God, add to your faith. Galatians 5, the fruits of the spirit. Can I ask you, you got any fruit in your suitcase this morning? Love, joy, you packed any fruit, you're going to need some. Why? Because that's what our Father demands of us in order to be ready. Number two, ready requires an open heart. What's on the inside today? What's on the inside? Second Timothy 3.15, Paul speaking to Timothy says, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise in the salvation. Back up. The holy scriptures are what make thee Ready. It was the scriptures that made Timothy ready. By the way, after you get saved, it's still the word of God that makes you ready. We're giving away beautiful, our church has beautiful uh, Bible reading calendars. I encourage you, get by the, the welcome table and get one if you haven't got one. We're reading through the word of God today, uh, together this year. My daughter and I, were talking about Job this morning, just communing about what we've learned from the book of Job. Do you know why it's important you get in the word of God? Because this whole book, you could, you could almost entitle it, How a Christian Should Be Ready. That's what it's all about. God wants you to be ready, but it requires, number two, an open heart. I believe this morning if we truly desire to be ready, we've got to desire to be changed. And If we're going to be changed, we've got to be changed according to the word of God. So that's number two, finally. What does it say? He shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the father to the children, the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people. Now watch these next four words, prepared for the Lord. So, one more time, let's backtrack. God loves us. God says, my son is coming. John, go get them ready. John, in order to be ready, they need to turn, but not just turn on the outside, they need to turn on the inside. Now, wait a minute, what are we working toward with the last four words of verse 17? And we'll close after this one. He says, prepared for the Lord. Do you know why you should take the whole armor of God this morning? Well, because you're the preacher and that's what you say we have to do. Oh, no, no, no. We have too much of that in this world of people doing stuff for the preacher. You don't need to do it for me because it doesn't count. It doesn't count. You should be doing it for the Lord. For the Lord. Do you know why you ought to have the fruits of the Spirit in your life? Well, because you can be better than the person sitting beside you. No. You ought to be doing it for the Lord. You see, what he's saying is, John, I need you to go turn them turn their hearts and get them focused on the Lord that's number three getting ready simply means it requires a renewed focus we've got to get our focus back on the Lord I told someone this week I don't want you to be like me I certainly don't want to be like some of you the goal is for all of us to be like Jesus simply put if you're working to be like Jesus watch you're going to be ready You're going to be ready. If you're working and living for what? For the Lord. Your motivation is everything. That would be one of the greatest reasons we quit changing is because we forget what our motivation was. Been there guilty, guilty. I've done the right things for the wrong reasons many times in my life, but the right reasons is I'm preparing for the Lord. I'm doing it for Him. Philippians 3, 7, Paul says, but what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. For Christ, watch. All of a sudden, man, you have to give up things in your life in order to be more like Christ. And you're, man, when well, that preacher preaches on that and all that, no, 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 no. Don't do it for me. I promise you, I can't motivate you to give up anything. I've already learned that. But boy, when you start doing it for Christ, I'm doing this for the Lord. Paul says, I counted all things but loss for Christ. His focus was right. You will make the most unbelievable, unlikely, and undesired changes in your life if you'll do it for the Lord. Watch my dad, I told you the story before, sold our house, our picnic table, our playhouse, sold everything. Why? Just do it for the Lord called him into ministry. He was pursuing the call of God on his life to preach. Man, you're like, I wouldn't sell my house. Boy, if you were doing it for the Lord, you would. You'd be amazed at what you give up for the Lord. That kind of fell on deaf ears. All right, we'll go on to the next verse. 2 Corinthians 5, 15. The Bible says that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Can I tell you, in 2023, when it gets hard to change, remember who you're doing it for, prepared for the Lord. I'm preparing for him. I'm living for him. That when I see him, I'm going to be so thankful I turned and made the change. You'll be so thankful. When the trumpet of God sounds, you're like, well, I just don't want to do that. I don't want to let go of that. I don't want to. Oh, can I tell you, when Jesus breaks the eastern sky and you see him, you're going to be so glad you did it for the Lord. No matter what it is, you did it for the Lord. Why? He's the one that died for you. That's why Hebrews 12, the Bible says, we run our race looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I'm afraid this morning as we close, there's so many things that we could have and could be and could do if we're willing to change, but we're not willing to because we're not doing it for him. We're doing it for ourselves. I don't want to do that. I don't like that. I don't want, I, I'm not comfortable. Hey, I get it. I get it. I get it. I'm sure he wasn't comfortable dying on the cross either, but he did it for us. I'm sure it wasn't comfortable when he got beat, but he did it for us. Folks, this morning, I believe being ready for the Lord's return requires us to be focused in on Jesus. Can I ask you this real quickly? How is your packing coming? How is your packing coming? So I'm saved. Wonderful. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. Get that. The guy that you have hated listening to all morning is your relative in Christ. And we're going to spend eternity together. I'm going to come hang out at your mansion. Yep. And watch. You're going to love it because you're going to have a spiritual body. You're going to love me being there. You really are. And I look forward to it. All right? I told my wife a while back, I know we're not going to be married in heaven, but me and my wife are going to hang out. Okay? Okay? I don't know if we can do that, but I plan on doing that. Can I ask you, how's your packing coming? You say, well, I'm saved. Great, great, great. I'm glad you got your sticker. I'm glad your ticket is punched. Can I ask you, how's your packing coming? When the trumpet of God sounds, and boy, our life is opened up. Because you know, we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And our life is opened up. And so many things that we filled our life with didn't make the trip. Our ambitions, our desires, our possessions didn't make the trip. Oh, that's going to be a frightening day. Here's the good news. We're still here. And we still have time to get ready. In 2023 at Central Baptist Church, it is the tremendous burden of my heart that everything we do, every class, every ministry, every opportunity is working toward getting our people ready. But here's the question. Are you willing to get on board with that? I think a lot of us have some boxes that are not checked yet. I'm going to show it to you here in just a moment. There's a lot of things the Word of God says we should have in our life. And a lot of us, there's a lot of empty boxes that aren't checked yet. I'd encourage today, number one, if you haven't checked the box of salvation, I'd get that one checked before I left here today. If you are not 100% certain that if you died today, you're going to heaven, could I encourage you, turn to Christ. Have a change of heart. Trust him. Get that box checked. Maybe you're saved, but you haven't been baptized. Hey, why don't you get that box checked this year? You say, well, I'm saved and I'm baptized. I'm not part of the church, or I'm saved, baptized, and I'm part of the church, but I've really been neglecting God's word. Hey, it's time to take out the spiritual checklist and get ready for Jesus' return. Why? Because he's coming. My question to you today is this. Number one, if you're lost, are you ready? Oh, no, you're not. Number two, if you're saved, are you ready? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Let's stand together. Heads are bowed.